0: Welcome to Back from the Abyss, I'm Dr. Craig Heacock. This is the second in a periodic series of episodes about therapists in the abyss. Can you be a good veterinarian if you've never had pets? Can you be a competent and caring doctor if you've never been hospitalized yourself? Or more germane to this podcast, can you take people in psychotherapy where you've never gone yourself? In today's episode, Dr. Michael Dane and I explore the idea of personal psychological suffering and the hard road of healing as a prerequisite to becoming a fully developed psychotherapist.
1: Yeah, you know, there are a lot of stories, but there's one in particular story that I had in my career that sort of really changed the direction of my career, sort of deepened it and connected me to things um, in myself and allowed me to connect with other people in a better way, in a deeper way. So I have been a psychologist for a long time and have done a lot of clinical work, but also a lot of academic and um, administrative work at universities and that kind of stuff. So my career path, more than just being a clinician, was also kind of um, directing health centers and counseling centers around the world. I taught at a medical school for a while. So my, it was sort of this interesting combination of administrative and academic research and stuff and also personal. And it was um, great work. It was great. It was a nice integration. Um, and then a few years ago, um, I was diagnosed very rapidly and very quickly with um, colon cancer. And um, it was an interesting time. For me, my son was young, he was like 10, and we had just moved to Fort Collins, and I was at um, CSU at that point. And um, it changed everything. It really moved things in a very different way for me. So I got diagnosed, I got surgery right very quickly because it was um, pretty um, um, tenacious cancer. And
0: um, I mean, were you thinking at that point early on that you might die?
1: Was yeah, that? no, actually it was, mm-hmm. it was really interesting. Um, the physician who found it about a year later and, um, I went and talked to him and he said he was, um, he said, I don't usually tell my patients this. He said, but I was very afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was actually, it was nice that he was honest with me about that. Um, so yeah, I was supposed to die. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, um, and it was at a at a time when um, there were lots of other things going on in my life, lots of changes that were happening. So I I had the surgery. I went in to I did um, chemotherapy for six months um, and did all that kind of treatment stuff. But at that point, I couldn't work. Um, I left CSU um, at that point, um, went on medical leave. But I went deeply into my own psychology at that point. I um, started to work with an analyst in Denver. um, And he and I worked two or three times a week as I was going through that process.
0: And was this work thinking death was coming and this was sort of preparatory for that possibly
1: yeah it was very much about that Mm -hmm. but um i um it was a lot of other things i i'm um my training most of my training um specialty is in psychoanalysis and analytical work so i do a lot of work now with people who um are going through these difficult times and things and i work a lot with dreams So one of the things I did during that period of time as I was working with my analysts is that I wrote down every dream that I had. Um, I do that anyway. I write a lot of dreams down, but paid particular attention to the themes and kind of the images of the dreams. But it was a very hard time. I have to tell you, I actually call it my blue chair period. I am... uh, I um, didn't work, I had treatments every few days. I went down to Denver to see my analyst two or three times a week,
0: but did I- you, Did you tell your clients that you were taking a
1: break? And they... Well, at that point, I actually didn't have my practice up and running at that mm. point. I wasn't doing a lot of clinical work. I was working at CSU and I was mostly administrative. Um, so it was really just taking a medical leave, leave from the um, um, university. And so i didn 't have to deal with that piece, um, which was good. I think it would have been more difficult i don 't know that I could have practiced as I was going through that acute sort of period but i i can i um, I would spend time this is sort of interesting i would I allowed myself to go into the feelings around this time instead of fighting against the negative feelings, the fears I had, sort of the sadness, the depression that came up around it. At the encouragement of my analyst and what I know about how the unconscious works, I just sort of moved into that space. Um, I didn't try to cheer myself up too much. I didn't try to, you know, pretend it wasn't happening. You know, I, I actually still have some problems around this idea of being a cancer survivor. Because I think that survivor thing can sometimes get in the way of us of having all of the feelings that go along Mm -hmm. with these kind of events. I think, you know, I'm a big believer in we we should have the whole object all the time Mm -hmm. so that we should experience all of it, whether it's uncomfortable, the joy, the sadness, the pain, the suffering, the anger, all of it needs to happen. The blue chair thing is a reference for me is because I had this office at home and I would take the blue chair and there was a blue chair in it that I would sit at at my desk and I would pull it to the window that looked out over the the yard and I would sit there for hours at a time, Mm -hmm. thinking about my life, thinking about my family, thinking about what all this might mean psychologically for Mm -hmm. me, really going into the pain of it all.
0: Um, Did you remember being more sad or more resentful or resigned? Or I'm just imagining sitting in this chair, looking out, thinking about your 10-year-old and your wife and being s- struck down in the height of your career.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um. I had yeah I was sad I was angry I was disillusioned um, about things. It was it was interesting though because one of the things that I, I knew cognitively but I didn't know at a deep emotional level is that all the sort of the healing stuff was happening beneath the surface for me. So literally I would go and I'd sit in this chair. I you know my son would go off to to school and my wife would go off to work and I'd pull the chair in front of the window, and the next thing I knew it was three o'clock in the afternoon. And I would push the chair back, go pick up my son from school, come home, make dinner for the family. It was very surreal, a little dissociated probably. But I also know that underneath all of that, my unconscious was attempting to come to terms with what was happening to me and what this meant for my life. And,
0: um, You were uh, working in that chair. You were doing, yeah doing, oh, doing totally were it and was
1: it was some of the deepest work i 've ever done personally in my own psyche, and I would have fantasies and i it is so I tell people this a lot of times our unconscious sort of wants us to heal it 's like kind of like an immune system underneath a psychological immune system that 's constantly giving us doing things there 's processing and dynamics that are going on underneath that we don 't have to think about everything in a like a direct conscious way that it's doing its job, but we gotta give it the space to do its job. We gotta, we gotta respect that we can't go on pushing ourselves. I couldn't work, even though I knew medically I probably could have, I was doing it better physically after that. But psychologically, I just didn't have the juice to go and do that stuff. And I knew that basically that juice was inside of me, mm-hmm. doing what it needed to do to heal me. So somewhere along that path, I, my wife and I had a conversation about what how this was impacting my career, sort of my role as a psychologist. And I, I was, she was actually a really good guide with a lot of this. She, was, she knows me better than I know myself. She, uh-huh. goes, she goes, to me, she said, finally, she said, you should, you should pay attention to what this event means to your life and what this is directing you to do. And my analyst was saying the same thing and lots of other people and stuff like that. So at that point, I decided that I could not go back into the practice of psychology that I was doing before. That the reason I became a psychologist was to do therapy, was to be a clinician most fully, and that's the piece that always had interest for me and that stuff. And so, you know, she, we both decided that didn't matter the financial hit or anything else that we would that I'd leave my job at CSU and open a private practice full time. I had practiced all the way along for. uh, you know 20 years mm-hmm. or so but it was just really devoting myself into the thing that f- fed my soul in a sense yeah
0: how do you go from blue chair to the deep psych- psyche work psychological work to the saying, okay i am now healthy enough my battery's charged enough i'm self-aware enough and compassionate enough to Open a private practice and start doing that.
1: Okay. Well, so actually this is kind of a great question. It's a really kind of a surreal part of the story for me. So I did this chair thing every day, six months, nine months. No, it was, it was about seven months, I think. And every day I would do it. I would sit in the chair and I would think about these things and then I'd go on with my life and do that stuff. And I would, you know, I did journaling and I worked with my dreams and all that kind of stuff. But one day, this is going to sound a little surreal, but one day I was pulling the chair over to the front window and I had a voice inside of me that said, You're done. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to do this anymore. Mm. This part's over. Mm. So I pulled it, <laughs> took the chair for the, and never went back. Never sat in that blue chair again in that way anyway. And um, at that point, I realized that I had healed, that I had allowed myself the space and the time to psychologically heal from this betrayal that I had experienced. And I really do think these things are betrayals. They're sort of like we don't expect to get sick. We expect to, Mm -hmm. you know, to not suffer in these ways. And the universe or our bodies or whatever betray us. And we have to learn to adapt to that betrayal. So it was sort of like an interesting experience for me. It wasn't like I, like, I, really my unconscious told me, you're done.
0: How do you think you were different in those first weeks and months sitting there in your private practice, having done the blue chair work and been hit by the existential cancer bomb, and, and now you're back? being a psychologist and do you have a sense how you how your moment-to-moment work might have changed with people
1: yeah I was way more present than I ever had been before in my career before that and way more out of my head Um, I don't know how to describe that but very much more into my emotions into my body and this idea we we call it therapeutic presence That this idea that these suffering experiences, these betrayals, these abyss experiences, as you said, they actually make us more present in ourselves. And because of that, we're able to be more present with other people. You know, in my biz, um, learning every theory and technique is really important. But what we know makes the most impact on other people is who you are as a person, Mm -hmm. not what you do. It's who you are when you sit with people. And my abyss experiences, and I wish that was the only one. I've had other ones. But, um, but, maybe, you know. but I think maybe
0: your point is, and my point is, that actually those help make you the therapist and psychologist that you are.
1: There's no doubt about yeah. it. I don't think you can be um, a change agent in the way that we want to be in this process, in this psychotherapy process, without you having gone through stuff mm-hmm. you've got to experience this suffering it's what deepens your soul your psyche and it allows you to be able to be with other people we have a in analytical psychology we have sort of a lot of little sayings about this but this idea that you can't take people in therapy where you haven't gone yourself
0: mm-hmm. so, so, maybe, if you, so maybe if you're seeking a marriage therapist you should try to find someone who's been married and divorced a few times
1: yeah, maybe. It, right. And, and and I'm not naive enough to think that you have to experience every pain that your clients have experienced. Mm-hmm. That's not what this is about. But it's saying it's sort of like as a, as a therapist or a psychoanalyst and this stuff, that your relationship to your own unconscious is paramount to you being able to help people have a deeper understanding of their own psyches. So yeah, you can't do it. I don't want to experience everybody's pain. Come on, let's not do that, okay? <laughs> right. But at the same time, I've had enough of my own shit that I can, um, I can sit pretty much. I feel pretty much with anything that someone brings me, that there's a there's an understanding of what this might mean at a deep level for them. I think it's, it's critically important. I always think about, you know, young therapists who've um, gone through graduate school or medical school or whatever, and they come out and they open up their practice and they put their shingle out. And I think, wow, I hope they've had a lot of shit in their lives, yeah. right? Because yeah. that's going to if it's not, then it's going to be much harder for these people to sit
0: Mm-hmm.
1: With the pain of others, if they don't know, and the other piece of that is, is that not only did I have the pain, but I knew what it felt like to be done with the pain. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. Is there's a like a whole process, like that that cancer thing did for me? It took me from the beginning to the shock through all of it. That, but also the healing, too. So I kind of had this deeper sense that healing is really possible for people. Mm-hmm. It is,
0: right? Yeah. How is it for you when you sit with people who are going through, you know, their dark moment, but you're thinking, hmm, this is, this is not very dark. (laughs) You you think you're in the chasm, but really you're in the arroyo. Um, That's that's a good way to put it. And yeah. So I would think having been through such pain and fear of death and all the work you did can give you such compassion and empathy and connection with people who are going through all sorts of other awful darkness. But, you know, sometimes people come in our offices and, yeah, they really think they're in the deepest hole, but it's it's a slight arroyo. I mean, do, I would wonder if that, there could be, if you'd have to struggle with some cynicism or just thinking like, hmm... well the way it's that's funny I, i hadn't
1: really thought about it like that i you know i've always thought that you know my experiences in life has sort of allowed me to sit with those ones you know it's sort of it's interesting though because we all have our own personal sort of betrayals and abysses and sometimes they um um sometimes they may seem superficial i think a lot of times in psychology what brings people into therapy is some ego trauma that has occurred and and trauma not using the word trauma right but a wounding in the ego like they didn't get the job promotion or something and it is sort of in some ways superficial stuff but oftentimes what i find is is that those little superficial losses are the beginning of people being able to have sort of a more profound relationship with their deep parts of their psyche. So even though I, they're not horribly tragic and you know or that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. they're important because those are the things that often take start people on their own journey um, into their psychology and understanding themselves.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So they're all important, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know. It's, I don't know that you can say one is worse than the other or whatever like that. I mean, sometimes you know if you get. Your your favorite car gets banged up. You're pretty. You know, it feels pretty abyss, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah.
0: I wonder where you would be today, 2019, if you hadn't had colon cancer.
1: Um. Oh, I'd be a mess. I have to be really honest with you. (laughs) Um, um, Or I would imagine there would have been other losses, other significant things that my unconscious would have been um, sort of exposed to, to move me into. I actually feel like there is sort of like this idea that we all have kind of a destiny in a sense, in a very broad way, but, but our psyche has something we're supposed to be doing and it will create events. Our unconscious is very powerful and it will help create events and situations that will push us to get there anyway. So I don't know, I say I might be a mess, um, but I might be doing the... I, there might have been something else yeah. that pushed me into being the same, doing the same work I do now and being the same person that I am
0: now. Yeah. What do you think about this idea that the, the things that impacted us the most, I mean, we are experts in those, but they are also so close to home. So I'm imagining you, for example, working with somebody with cancer or with a potentially life-threatening illness that you, in some ways, would be the best possible person for that, but that also that's very close Mm. to home and that you could also imagine that those might be some of the most difficult people to work with.
1: Yeah. You know, I think that there's, it's sort of a double-edged sword. It makes you acutely aware of what the experience is for them, but you have to be really cautious that you're not projecting your experience onto them. Um, that sort of the counter-transference we call it when the therapist takes their own stuff and starts to project it out or, right. So you've got to be really, really careful about that. Part of the way that I try to make sure that I'm not doing that is I, Um, even though I've been doing this for many, many years now, I continue still in my own personal analysis and my own personal supervision around this stuff. It's really important to know where your psyche ends and your clients begin and not to mix those up so much. And this is another reason why a therapist doing their own work is so critical Mm -hmm. to this. You have got to know your own inner world. You have got to know your wounds. You have got to know your history. You have got to have dealt with it in some ways. So it doesn't leak so much into your work. So like with the cancer thing, I can deal with cancer people now, people who have that diagnosis or have other chronic health issues and that kind of stuff. I, I, I have a great deal of empathy for it. But I will tell you, there was a couple years after that piece that I wouldn't see mm-hmm. those people because was, it was still too fresh of a wound for me it was hard and it was almost it was sort of like secondary trauma right I, i'd be having, i'd have my own flashbacks when i was sitting with somebody who was talking about their medical treatments and that kind of stuff so i had to really put the brakes on the kind of clients that i worked with at those points and be much more selective about it
0: mm-hmm. um yeah i've, I've but, had two or three physicians who we're struggling with some of the same things I've struggled with, and it was brutal.
1: Oh, really? Brutal.
0: Yeah, it, it took everything I had to sort of...
1: Separate out from it. Keep
0: my uh, equanimity and yeah, figure out how to help them and not come unhinged.
1: Yeah. No, it's, I think it's, it's actually really, really hard. Um, and there's still, you know, there are still clients that you'll get. I know that I will get that I'll go, yeah, this is too close. I really, I really need, I'm not the right person for it. I have great deal of empathy, but you can get sort of lost in the empathy, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, so yeah, I've learned to, to sort of be selective about that and look at myself a lot when I'm in those processes. Yeah.
0: Did your interest in Jungian work did that predate cancer diagnosis, or was that an outgrowth of that?
1: Oh um, no, I um, um, I think I've always been a Jungian, even before I knew about Jung. Um, I, I I sort of officially in the outer world discovered him when I was like 21, and I was I, I walked into the Jung Center in Houston, um, an institute that trains analysts and that kind of stuff, and. Um, And then within six months was the assistant director of the uh, the Jung Center in Houston. So it was something that really resonated with me and I really, really loved. Um, But like a big part of analytical psychology, not just Jung, but all of it, is paying attention to your dreams. And I grew up in a family that in the morning we'd sit around the breakfast table and tell each other our dreams. So as a small child, that idea that there's this other part of our psyche, Um, this mystical, dreamy world that was sort of interesting and exciting was always a part of my life, Mm. so yeah. So that, I think I was always a Jungian. Um,
0: I don't know if I've ever told you this before, Michael, but seven years ago when my life fell apart, I had been having plane crash dreams for years. Ah, classic, yeah. Yeah. In planes crashing or watching planes crashing. And I told my wife about that, and only afterwards, she said, didn't you know what that meant? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i said hmm i guess in hindsight yeah the plane crashing dreams were significant yeah. <laughs> i don't have those anymore oh great that's good, that's no, good yeah. no plane crash dreams in the last seven years that's good that's yeah that's great what um wondering if you might have some thoughts or wisdom a lot of therapists listen to this podcast and this is a this episode is a chance for therapists who've you know been through the darkness and come out the other side to sort of share their their insights and wisdom and thoughts for people who are heading there because my my sense is as a therapist if you haven't hit the dark depths yet it's coming and then it's going to come again and again.
1: Yeah, well, I think that's a really good point. Um, um, I think. Um, there, And again, this is a uniquely analytical perspective. But when you start to work with the unconscious, and we would talk about shadow material and complexes and stuff, there is no way that you're going to not be impacted by that, right? And if you're a therapist who is actually in life, you're going to experience some, you know, betrayals and abyss. You, you know, you really, you will. So the process itself of being an analyst or a therapist deepens you. Right. Um, And also it sort of opens up your life to um, other pieces that will also sort of deepen you as well. So, um, again, in Jungian psychology, we talk about that this is more than a profession to do this. This is sort of a commitment to a lifestyle in a sense and a commitment to a relationship to the psyche and the deep parts of people um, and there's no way that you're not going to be affected by it and all over. But um, again, I think I think therapists. One of the things I really tell them, um, I do a lot of supervision and training and stuff, particularly from a psychoanalytic perspective. And I say to them, you have got to be constantly taking care of yourself because you will have losses in your life. You will have those things. And you're carrying so much from your clients that you have got to constantly um, be doing your own work. Um, That's what I mean. It's a commitment. It's not like you do two years of therapy and you're done or you don't do any and you know all the theories and that protects you somehow. I do want to talk about that too. I think a lot of people I've worked with in the past have taught or Supervised, they f- somehow feel like these knowing these things is prophylactic for them,
0: <laughs> <laughs> if only yeah right
1: <laughs> yeah right there there's there's no way you can study all of these things that you want, but there's no way that that's going to prevent you from experiencing um, the turbulence of life um, and in many ways. Why would we want to be protected from life? I mean, the part of what I think about psychotherapy, it's, it's helpful and it, it helps us to deal with traumas and issues and pain and suffering and all that stuff. But mostly what it does is allows us to be alive. And if you're a therapist and you're not committed to being alive, I don't know how you can help other people be alive. Mm. And that means experiencing all of it the difficult stuff and the easy stuff and the joy and the pain and all of it, right? That whole object experience again. I will say this cancer. I know this is is really weird, but cancer for me gave my life meaning, Mm -hmm. not in the way that I sort of like I'm a survivor and I'm fighting cancer and I'm doing all that kind of stuff, but it, it created a change point, an obvious change point in my life where I moved into myself in a much more solid way, in a deeper way. Um, and I'm grateful for it. Wasn't yeah. grateful for a while. Right? <laughs> right. I have to be honest about that. <laughs> but now I look back and I think, wow, what a gift. Mm-hmm. Weird. Mm-hmm. you know. But again, if I wouldn't have sat in that blue chair, it wouldn't have been a gift. I would have mm-hmm. won- gone back into my own neurotic suffering. I w- if I wouldn't have allowed my psyche to do what it needed to do, I I think it would have, it just would have been awful. Yeah. Yeah.
0: If you liked this episode, please share it with anyone else who might find hope or meaning in this story. Check out our website, bftapodcast.com, where you can learn more about us and this project, get more information on the treatments mentioned in the stories, as well as additional resources and music credits. You can also email us with comments or story requests. If you have time, please rate us on iTunes, as this helps us spread these stories far and wide. Much gratitude to my good friend Chris Johnson, who does our sound, and thank you for listening to Back from the Abyss. May each of you find the strength and support to find your way through the darkness.